Welcome to the Gen Z Journey, where we work with you through an entrepreneurial lens to build a wholesome perspective on life and build both our business and personal dreams together. Join our community on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Gen Z Journey. So hello and welcome to another Gen Z Journey podcast and today we're on another guest episode um, and it's on the theme of kind of mindset is is where we are over these uh, next three weeks and our first guest on this mindset series is uh, Ron Pikarski and so I'm going to uh, let him just introduce himself quickly now. Okay, I'm a, a vegan uh, colonologist. I work in the area of food science and culinary world. And uh, I was born and raised in the country in Petoskey, Michigan. Uh, was raised Catholic, uh, loved food, was raised in the restaurant business, and that led me to uh, eventually become a chef. And, and the sidebars, I became a Franciscan first. I really felt a call to be a Franciscan uh, monk, which has been a Catholic order. St. Francis is considered the uh, patron saint of the environment and lover of animals. And uh, little, be, uh, little be known that I would uh, become a chef because my parents were uh, in the restaurant business. And I told my parents I didn't want anything to do with the restaurant, even though I was working in it and cooking in it. And so uh, when I left uh, home in 68 to become a Franciscan during the monastery, uh, I was over 200 pounds when I jumped on the scale. And that kind of led me to. Um, decide uh, that food has something to do with my life, my, with my health. And so that kind of led me to be food being my ministry, so to speak. I became a Franciscan brother, not a priest. And that led me to go to culinary school after theology. And shortly after graduating from culinary school, I graduated as a meat cutter. And shortly after that, I um, became a vegan. Uh, for health reasons. I was over 200 pounds. I smoked a great deal when I was young. I had bronchial pneumonia twice and I died from it. And I realized that I needed to do something to take my health back. And being a vegan was part of that. So that kind of inspired me. So here I am with all these classical French skills, as you can appreciate, Joe, and, and um, I'm a vegan. So where do I go from there at 1976? You know, it's like, there isn't soy milk, and I had to make my own tempeh, and it was hard to even find tofu. And, and here I'm classically trained, and I'm trying to figure out how do I connect these two. So that was the beginning. And when I was in culinary school, I had this um, experience of culinary Olympics was taking place in Germany, and I came back, and I was in Chicago. And my chairman of the culinary department basically told me I should go down and take a look at this presentation that at the Drake Hotel. And I went down and it was a gold medal presentation on pastries. And I looked at that and said, you know, someday I'm going to the Culinary Olympics. Wow. And when I became a vegan, I said, now I got a reason to go to the Culinary Olympics. And that became a, a platform for me to basically promote vegan food. Because this was 1980, remember, when I decided to go to the Olympics. And you kind of know where vegan food was back then, which is how you can on the radar screen. So when I went to the Olympics, the first question the competitive chefs were asking me, what are you doing here? Well, welcome to vegan food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
so anyway, then that, you know, that was the beginning, but that was at the Franciscan. And then as a Franciscan, I had this vision for Ufa Cuisine. And I was consulting and traveling around the country as a vegan chef, as a monk, and uh, working at different restaurants and catering and other things. And that led me to see the void uh, that wanted me to create this company. And there are companies like Christian Brothers have Christian Brother Wines. I figured, well, why not create that? Well, my order said, that's not going to happen. You know, the legal counsel said, you're not going to do that. And so I had to make a choice after 23 years in the order. Do I follow my dream or do I uh, um, stay in the order and the safety net? Because everything was taken care of. I mean, I was very comfortable there. I could just cook for the monks and had an had a easy job. But I just dropped it all and walked away from it. And um, I continued competing in the Culinary Olympics. I did it five times. Wow. Uh, from 80, 84, 88, 92, and 96. 96 was really a special year because that was the first year they had a vegetarian category. All those other times I was competing as a vegan against meat, chicken, fish, everything. It was all there. And I was right in the middle of that with my food and standing up to it. And so uh, in 96, they had the first ever vegan category, a vegetarian category, which I was vegan, but a covered vegan. And out of that, um, I took my first gold, which is in the first ever vegan category, out of the seven medals. So that was how, it, how I culminated that. But while I was there, uh, in my last interview with the Boston Globe, I was in Boston at the time, I said, when I come back from the Olympics, my dream is to take what I've done at the Olympics and put it on America's table. And that's what Eco Cuisine evolved, because I saw that void from traveling and so Eco Cuisine was a vision to teach chefs how to cook, but to also create those products that they want to cook with. There's this one complaint over all those years I was doing dinners across the country for uh, different uh, hotels and events, was the food is expensive and it's very labor intensive. So how do I challenge that? So that's where Eco Cuisine's product and that piece came from. And I, and I just wanted to jump in on that. Joe, could you just comment on, um, I mean, I, I wasn't actually aware, Joe has spoken to me about it before, um, obviously, but I wasn't aware of, of what the Food Olympics was. And I was when, when Joe told me about it for the first time, I was like, what is that? I've, not many people um, from particularly my age group will have heard um, of, of what, what the Food Olympics is. So Joe, could I just bring you in on that? Can you summarize what is the Food Olympics and, and how monumental is it of, of the fact that that uh, Ron here went five times and and placed many times that he was he was there. How, how significant is that? This is like really significant, especially in the culinary world. I mean, it, this is unbelievable. Five times to go to the Olympics. Number one, if you go one time, you're you're doing very very well. To go five times is an uh, unheard of, um, and so. Ron, maybe you can explain too exactly, uh, and this will come into a mindset. I mean, the self-discipline and the training that took and the dedication uh, is just unheard of. And for, again, five years or five times, no, excuse me, five times. Uh, and don't mix that up. Five times is not five years. Uh, to do one Olympic, how many years there, Ron? It's uh, 20, well, every, it's every four years, 
And, Correct. Uh, would after the Olympics, I'd take a year off and year two would get started on the next one. And it was putting a program together, looking at the evolution of food, how developing these products as vegans, because keep in mind, there wasn't much to work with then. And uh, so it's, uh, it takes about two years of real intent. My team comes together and we're, I rent the kitchen and I bring them all together uh, two or three times in the course of the year. And then I bring in uh, judges to tear the food apart. You know, uh, I'm in Boston University at the kitchen and all my team is in. They come in on a Friday night, we go over the program. Saturday is um, producing all the food. Sunday is uh, plating it and then getting a review. So I bring in a master chef to give it a review and he just tears it apart. And my team is looking at that and it's like, it's, so it's not, it's the discipline, the, the, the personal discipline, the passion, but it's also being connected to uh, where the food is going, what the judges are expecting. Because, you know, when like in, in sports and stuff, they have, when you're doing a high jump or something or a backflip or whatever it is on the gymnastics, you got to do it perfectly. It's not good enough just to do it. You got to do it perfectly. And so, and are there, are there separate cats? So like the actual Olympics, you've got the 100 meters and you've got the 1500 meters. Is, is there categories within that in which they separate food? Yes, there is. That's a good question because there's different categories. There's the hot food cold, which is hot food prepared that would normally be served hot, but it's uh, served cold to present for the judges to judge. Then there's the cold buffet, then there's pastries, and then there's centerpieces, and then there's the hot food competition, but you have to be a national team to get into the hot competition. And that's producing food for 100 people. In, in the morning, and then they serve that, and then guests can come in and buy a ticket to experience that dinner. It's, it's very inexpensive, and it's really innovative food. But one of the things, so there was all those different categories, and I competed in the cold, and hot cold, and in pastry um, for the five years, that I, five times I should, that I competed. And I took uh, three, uh, bronzes, three silvers, and that final gold. Wow. But the other piece of that is the team and the discipline. You have to have a team that's completely uh, disciplined. When I took a silver in 92, it was a silver because my team wasn't totally connected, you know, and, that, and that's on me. I was, I didn't have a, a, a couple of people in there that were, were, were good, but they didn't have the passion. They didn't have the fire for that excellence. So in 96, I spent most of my time just on the mindset of getting the team right. I realized I got gold crew. I just don't have a gold team. So mm -hmm. I need to get this team to that space. I mean, I had a lot of good members on my 92 team. I had a gold medalist master chef on my team. He's excellent. But there was a few other people with that. So in a way, in the 96 one, it was really interesting in that for me close it off because I knew I needed to go back one more time to get my team right. And I had two programs. In the first program, I took a, uh, I won gold here in the States with it. It was really good. But they were judging really hard and they only gave me a bronze. So I figured when I was going over there that I might do a second program. And that program had never been fully completed. I never really did it and showed it and had it uh, reviewed. I just decided, okay, I'm going to shoot from the hip over but I had an wow. excellent team. And you could have heard a pin drop in that kitchen that night. You could have heard a pin drop. 
And that food on a, on a scale of 1 to 10 was a 99.9 on a scale of 1 to 100. Uh, remember, a 10 is a perfect score, and that's the gold with the clover leaf. We got a 9.9 on that program that we've never done before. Mindset. You know, everybody was there. Everybody was, I could hear them say, we got to win a game. It was, it was about winning. It wasn't about anything else. It's about being perfect. It's about having that. That was my epiphany in competition. You know, real quick, uh, walk us through. You get uh, with that. Walk us through uh, the 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 days of competition. How many days is it to compete? It's usually about a week, and okay. when we compete, it starts. Um, well, I start in the morning. My team starts in the morning about 7 a.m. And they work all the way around the clock. And then they present at 7 a.m. At 7 a.m., the food's got to be on the table ready to judge it. So you go 24 hours. Yep. And I, and then in this particular case, we had about six hours break. We went over to see what we won. We won gold, uh, or to say bronze. And we came right back and went right back to work. So we took about a six-hour break, and then uh, I don't know if I even slept that day. I, mean, I, was, I was wired. When you're on that, you're on adrenaline. It's just like it, it, that's that moment. You spend three years for that moment. And I, I sat there and watched for it since the Taiwan uh, culinary team, and they had this beautiful pagoda made out of oil icing, and they had to ship it over from Taiwan. And they had set it up, and it was part of a pastry demonstration, uh, part of their program. And as they were setting it up, it had them fractured a little bit. And just before the judges got there, the judges, the whole thing collapsed. Jeez. Yeah. The whole thing collapsed. So all of a sudden, they're, they're out of competition. You know, that is, so it's, 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 Four it's years, gone yeah. in a heartbeat. Yeah, and one time my food was left in the tarmac in Boston. It was supposed to be shipped over by the airlines, and it was just a little heavy, so... They pulled a pallet. It just happened to be my pallet. So my whole team's in Frankfurt, and I have no food. My program is competing in the U.S. So those things happen. You know, even no matter how well you plan, no matter how well you do things, you know, stuff happens. Murphy's laws and always play effect. But it's having a mindset to, okay, what do I need to do to get it here? That's part of the reason also that I didn't win a gold medal. And so I should say my team didn't win a gold medal. If I could interject, I, uh, on behalf of Gen Z, on behalf of America, on behalf of all the listeners, we congratulate you for your, uh, I mean, honoring and representing America. And, you know, our hats go off to you. And, and now we're capturing a lot of things that people don't know. I'm sorry. They don't know this side of the world on it. And uh, we'd like to have a big shout out, right, Rio? And, Absolutely, uh, yeah. Loved, loved to def definitely a uh, huge shout out for that. I mean, uh, I, I'm even even if people don't know what the Olympics are, just from what Ron has described there, um, in terms of what you have to go through to compete in a competition like that, I mean, just completely hats off to you and and thank you so much for representing the US in in such an amazing way and. I think people can can really appreciate that appreciate that you know going twenty four hours um, to to present and and really preparing genuinely three years for for that one moment I think is is incredible so definitely huge definitely thank you for bringing that up Joe um, 
really, really do thank you for that. And and one thing you uh, kept bringing up on that was your team's mindset and, and your mindset as well. So that's a kind of the next question I wanted to ask you um, regarding your background is, is and, and it's the thing that struck me when we first spoke is just how how much of a wise mindset you have and how how you can speak with such clarity um and so what i wanted to ask you was was where did this mindset develop for yourself um and and yeah where did that where did that begin and and how did it kind of develop what were some key influences on that journey as you were developing your your mindset and your your very entrepreneurial and hard-working mindset yeah for me it was uh growing up in the country being raised catholic um there was disciplines in my life that I had, you know, as a young child. But I would have to go to Stephen Levine, who wrote the book, Who Dies? He picked up on some of Helen Huber Locke's work, and he's much more, I would say, advanced in it. But he said one of the greatest tragedies in the human life is we don't get to know the best friend in our life, and that's ourselves. And that was, for mm-hmm. me, what was going on in my early mindset. And I was kind of in that culture, but I hadn't really connected with it. And when I got in, when I joined the order, I was craving for it. And the order, and not knowing that sometimes we want something in our life that we don't know we want, and we're making choices for it. And I kept making those choices. And those choices led me uh, as a Catholic to become a Franciscan. But then I realized that when I shared with you about eco-cuisine, the Franciscan really wasn't about it either. It was the it was the stuff. It was like a booster. Religion is like a booster to spirituality. Religion is not a landing pad. And I think that that's where the, the, the sadness about religions today is it's so dogmatic. So in a way, for me, being a Franciscan and being totally encased in that, uh, absorbed in that, is where this uh, connection with myself started coming out, and I began to realize that there was something then i started really working on my relationship with myself there were points in my life when nothing was going on and i was just feeling this this this, this intense pain this intense pain i was there was almost like being reborn nothing was going on it's like where is this coming from and and that was sort of where i was struggling and then that's where my connection with myself led to what i'm doing right now because once we find our voice with ourselves and we connect with ourselves, and I can only speak for me subjectively, I began to realize what my really calling was with everything I was doing, from ministry to, because food is my ministry. St. Paul says it calls for us to maintain our, maintain our temple, temple upkeep. Our bodies are the temple of the spirit, you know? So vegetarianism is temple upkeep. So it's a very spiritual thing for me but yet it's very temporal. You know, food affects every sense in our every sense in our body. Taste, smell, sight. And as D.H. Lawrence said, the art, the essential function of art is to change the blood and the mind will change in the weight. Well, what does food do? Mm-hmm. You know? So for me, food helped me change. Wow. You know, it wasn't just being vegetarian. It wasn't a dogmatic thing. I mean, I'm a vegetarian, but I cook meat for my lovely wife. Because she loved her. I didn't marry her because she's a vegetarian, even though she was when I married her. I sometimes think about what happened to this relationship. But she really, she needs to eat some meat, and she eats a little bit of meat. And just to give you an example on that, I don't want to get way off the question, but 
in her situation, we went in to have our blood work done and she eats bacon and cheese, but she eats a lot of fresh fruits and produce and vegetables and, and grains and stuff. Our blood work was the same. She had the same cholesterol that I had as a vegan and she had uh, pretty much the same similar blood work. So what does that say? So it's not just about the food, it's about the spirit behind it. So that whole thing was leading. So as I was sharing it, like answering your question, kind of long-windedly, the, the whole diet, the Franciscan piece, uh, Susan Levine just making this connection, that all brought me to this point of where I'm at right now. So that, that's, it's caused me to ask these questions that go beyond the realm of our universe. It's like, mm -hmm. where did God come from? What is the meaning of my life? You know, uh, it's 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 not a question of existence of God. God either does or doesn't exist. I just want to spend my life asking those questions, not trying to define the answer. So living yeah. the question is what life is about. It's not about oh, I got this answer. I know what a perfect diet is. I know what this is and that is. And no, we don't. We think we do. But the more we open ourselves up to it, the more we evolve in our relationship with ourselves and what we do. If I could ask something uh, along the mindset and along with uh, going back backwards with you a little bit, and that is how do you prepare your mindset, especially through, I'm going to say through those Olympics when you had to push your way through? You knew, I mean, not one Olympic, not two, not three, not four, but five. And what kept you when you go like, oh, and you kind of, where was the mindset to push it again? How, how I mean, I think that's just incredible. It's, it's an inner, inner voice. It's a passion. There's something in me saying, I got to do this. If you ask me to define what it is, again, I just, you can't define these things. Okay. But you connect, but if you connect it to yourself, mm. you just know you're supposed to do just it. Just know it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that's the same thing with my with my company and my products. And it's like, I know what I'm doing is right with them. You know, I'm in creating this concept, this food scratch concept, and everybody wants to open up packages and stick them in the microwave and stuff. I'm focusing on learning how to cook. It's an art form, and I want to bring mm. cooking back into it. I don't want it to be, you know, buy a burger, a vegan burger or something, but buy this product and you can use it in all these different ways. So it's a mindset to... to, to to connect with that art form with myself and through myself with that art form that I'm supposed to be working with and understand what I'm supposed to be doing with it. Sorry, just something I wanted to say on that is just that what you were just describing a minute ago as well as that beautiful intimacy that you share with food is that like you, you take all those life experiences that you were talking about and and you realize it summates in food and it really that's where a lot of meaning lies for you and where you can do your ministry through and to me that's that's incredible to to hear and um, particularly at such a young age um it's what i identify with do, doing this podcast for example i feel like i can convey myself through it a lot a lot as well um and obviously i'm still learning and and also another thing you highlighted in that is uh not focusing on that end goal you know, like it's good to have goals, it's good to have targets, but you're talking about how the journey of of that self-discovery, of asking those questions that are bigger than yourself is actually the thing that's so exciting. And I think for, for a young generation, um, 
who I would say is not taught that, um, definitely not through school. And, and, and I mean, some parents would definitely, but in general, we're not taught that. And, and we're very much based on end goals, results and um, immediate gratification. Definitely, that is such an important thing for us younger generation. It's something I've begun to really appreciate um, is that just that journey and that along the way developing those different emotions and those feelings of like you said being reborn so I can definitely identify that and really advocate what you're saying there and and something I wanted to touch on within that as well is the fact that once you enter onto that journey is that you really don't stop for a long time you know it's it's you're constantly learning and something you highlighted actually just before we even started um, this podcast when we were just preparing was how you are now still on a huge learning curve um, with everything that's going on and so would I'd just like you to just just talk a little bit on that it doesn't have to be too long but just just is that your experience of it do you just feel like you're constantly learning and, and it's it's provide you with with something new every day yeah, well, just to give you an example, and that uh, the product that I developed, it's, uh, I, think, I don't know if you've heard of hemp and creep, but they developed an egg product. Um, it's a vegan egg scramble. And uh, I had a customer that asked me to, to develop that. I thought that's going to be easy. I, I know how to work with hydrocolloids, which are um, you know, carrageenas and stuff. It took me seven months and 225 tries to get that right. Wow. I had PhDs in hydrocolloids that couldn't figure it out. And I'm saying, and I'm doing this? It's like, you know, pull it in. I'm, you know, just, <laughs> somebody's got to give it to me. And, and, and it happened. And, and I created this egg product that you can do everything that you can do with an egg except separate the milk from the whites. And I can even use it to bake with. You can make a white cake by just using that powder. And I developed that. I mean, I don't want to see I in an ego sense. It's all of the energy of all of the wonderful people that bring it together, that work with me on it. But I had this good at that. So when you ask about learning, there's that element of food that the more I learn about it, the more I realize I don't know. I just, I just no way. So part of my life now is creating the platform for future culinarians to pick up on and run with. So part of it is being the elder that's teaching the younger generation how to work with these foods in the way that I do and to bring cooking back into the kitchen with whole foods, uh, vegan foods. I'm talking about all elements of it. But that learning curve, then I'm doing my own videos and there's the whole new kitchen piece and there's just being connected. Now, I realized in this whole journey that after where I'm at right now, that my final phase in this is actually creating uh, the vegetarianism as a cuisine. Nobody it's always looked at it. it's like it's like vegetarian burgers and this and that, but nobody defines it as a cuisine. It's more like a special diet right. that doesn't have meat and dairy and eggs in it. It's it's actually a cuisine now. It's evolved to that. It was that in the beginning with the Greeks, but it's evolved to that. So my final journey, which will probably take another after I transition from eco cuisine, uh, either put it into a foundation or whatever. I want my next project that's going to take about 10 years and hundreds of thousands of dollars to literally create vegetarianism as the cuisine, just the way French cuisine is. Universal mother sauces that are made with vegetables that taste like the traditional sauces we eat, things like that. And I've got all of the components to that. But to answer your question, I think it's a little long-winded, but, but the answer is, 
I'm on a learning curve. It's like on a, going at a Mach 3. <laughs> and I kind of wondered, can I just go back and do something I've done before? But it just keeps going. But then that's fun part of it all, too, because I'm always learning. Every day is a new day. And every time I learn about something, I never came so close to quitting as I did with that A. I mean, I was, you know, my wife would say, what are you doing tonight? I'm working on your A. That was what it was for six months. I mean, we take time to watch a movie and stuff. I mean, we get together, we have our quality time. But uh, that was working on the age, you know. And, close, yeah. and, I, and I got close to that point at number 70. I was close. But it took the other uh, 180 times or whatever it was to get it right. There's just a fat. I mean, my my question plan for this podcast has gone out the window. Just the the passion that you have, the passion that you have for the culinary industry and for the food and, and the passion you place behind it, just it absolutely fascinates me and, and and excites me. You know, inspires me to to. And I hope people will take this from it as well. Is like obviously it, it doesn't have to just be the culinary industry. It's what fits with you and and what you can really convey yourself through, and. But it just fascinates me to to hear you speak about something with so much passion, so much drive, and and to see as well the the positive impact on the the people that you have around you. you know, you you always talk, you constantly have a group of people around you striving towards a similar goal that you are. And and to me, there's there's nothing there's nothing better. And and uh, and do you find for me, entrepreneurship is a huge amount about bringing a group of people together to create a vision that you have right and and to create a vision that's bigger than yourself and do you find that 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 through uh, vegan foods and and through eco eco cuisine um do you find that that is the case for you that is your vision that you're creating and you're bringing people in to to create that vision uh yes i i with with there's different areas of it there's the publishing area where i did my book there's the food side of it um, and then there's also the philosophical spiritual side. So I'm kind of working in a lot of different areas. But with the food side, just to use that, I'm working with a lot of very passionate ingredient companies. I work with a lot of passionate chefs. One of the things I needed to do is with, with the Olympics is align myself with master chefs. And so I, I, I got in with, and there was a company, there was an organization called WAC, the World Association of Chef Societies. I don't know if you're familiar with them or not. Anyway, they're the ones that are sort of with the with Ika Hoga in Germany. And so they have a lot of master chefs. And so I got those on board with me. And just to give an example, I was doing a presentation in, in, uh, in uh, Nashville. And I was using a hotel there and had master chef Holzer with me. And, and so I said, 2.30, Chef Holzer, be in to do that thing. So he comes in at 2.30 and I said, I need five more minutes and this guy was watching this and he was watching shoes. 2.30 means 2.30. That kind of <laughs> discipline. I mean, it was just, yep. it's the way he is. And they're not love it about him. That's when you win medals. That's yep. that discipline. But all the people in the Olympics that I worked with, and as I was sharing with you about my team, when I put the right team together, the perfect team, I got the perfect result in an almost mm-hmm. miraculous way. Well, yes, and I've got really great ingredient companies. These people, I call them up. See, I never got a degree in food science, and I'm a food scientist. So all that came through osmosis. You know, I was just working with these people, deciding I was going to do that, and working with these people. Oh, I call up and say, I need a, a carrageenan 
And they said, what do you need it for? High acid, low acid, high shear, low shear, heat, cold sack, viscosity. We have people that have PhDs in carrageenans. Wow. And so I'm talking to these people. Every element that I go into, be it working with flowers and bakery, there's people just like that there. That it's, and, and when you're totally immersed in that society with people and the food, and then, of course, I'm working with, with master chefs who are totally immersed in the classical cuisine and in that culinary discipline. So I'm dealing with that on one side with the culinary, and I'm dealing with this, with the PhDs on the other side with the ingredients, and all of this is just kind of uh, incubating with my spirit. So there's that element that's just, wow. You know, I kind of have to pinch myself every now and then. But you don't realize, <laughs> you don't realize it though when you enter. If you're passionate about something, it, 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 as one chef's master chef said to me, if you love what you do, it's not working for you. He said, do you love what you do? And said, yes, for the first 60 hours of the week. After that, it's work. And often, because I love what I do, but I end up working for <laughs> 60 hours. Mm. And when I can't get the weekends off, it's like, yeah, you know. But I love it, though. Because I love it, it's okay. If I didn't love it, you know. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. But I think for the mindset, though, and working with these people, you're going to draw the people your mindset creates. If you're really passionate about what you're yep. doing, and you have any sense of uh, integrity around it, you're going to draw the right people to the table. And, and there's no question about it. Surround yourself with better people than you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. And even people that don't have a lot of culinary experience, yep. they want to know what they know. Yep. There's mm -hmm. a lot of people that don't have a lot of experience that come in with a great idea. You know, it's like this one wise doctor said when you're green, you're ripening, and when you're ripening, you're not. You know, if you get to that point where you uh, think you know it all, then you're not absorbing. Mm. Very good point. That's uh, like open-mindedness. Yes? Very good point. You could have the best team around you, but if you're not, uh, if you're not uh, open to listening to what they're saying, then there's no, no use to it. And, and uh, another area, probably the final area before we bethink, uh, begin to wrap things up, uh, Ron, was just uh, you, you spoke there about the different elements uh, to, to food and, and to, to your business um, and you talked about the philosophical um, kind of side of things um, I'd love to go a little bit deeper into that um, just before we finish and just um, yeah just give us that I, I'm very I'm very interested in philosophy and kind of those bigger questions um, that, that we can't necessarily answer but we're just on a journey with um, so what would what would you say are, are maybe three questions three bigger questions in yourself that you've asked yourself um, over over the over your years and and what has been some yeah what, what are those three questions I think is the, well, is the question, one question of them, I ask. yeah one of them is I think the most basic one is uh, who am I you know, because that is the question that kind of leads me to connect with my incarnation on this planet. There's just such a thing as reincarnation. What is my purpose here if there is? And, I've, and I believe that there is. Uh, so that element kind of helps me, understanding who I am, helps me understand a little bit about what I need to do in my life. It helps me connect with my being and my, and, and my DNA which is obviously with food. And as I shared earlier on, I never wanted to work in food. I told my dad, 
uh, I just been tested working in the kitchen. So here I am. So how did that happen? That happened with my connection, asking that question and asking, uh, what is my purpose in life? Who I am leads to my purpose in life. So that was, that's the crucial piece of it. And then uh, the other, and that. Oh, sorry. I just wanted to jump in on that as well, on that question of, of who am I? I know um, just for our listeners, I watched a, a video the other week um, on on that very question, um, and it was it was a motivational video, I think, but it was a, a guy talking about that question and how life changing it can be for you. So I'm going to put that in the description of this podcast, just because you you brought that up, Ron, um, and I think that would be applicable as well. But I just wanted to just pause it there, just so the listeners could um, could uh, note that that was that's going to be in there. But please, please do yes, continue. Yes, and so anyway, that kind of led me to where I'm doing, but what. In the sense of my spirituality, um, I began to ask a lot of questions around the existence of God and dogma. You know, what we believe, dogma's opinion. A lot of people base their lives, they're taught something from, from their early childhood, and this is the way it's supposed to be. And my question is, is it the way it's supposed to be? You know, is, is this uh, is what I'm being taught really the truth? And then what is the truth? You know, so if it isn't, and so that became a, a, a calling point because I was born and raised a staunch Catholic, and then I evolved to becoming an Episcopalian, and then I evolved to leaving churches altogether. So how did that happen? That happened in that whole spiritual quest of, that came out of knowing itself. Okay, how did that fit into this whole quest of my? Um, my uh, relationship, my spiritual relationship, because I wonder about what life is like after death, you know? And sometimes when I think about, when they talk about eternal life, you know, I'm not so sure I want to live forever. <laughs> you know, that's an interesting question, you know? Do, would you want to live forever? I mean, there's a tendency in our, in our incarnate state to want to live forever. So, and then that that element kind of led me to where my ministry is at. Okay, here I am on the planet and so what am i supposed to be doing you know and i keep asking that question and that's an evolutionary question because what i thought i was supposed to be doing when i left home to join the seminary it's a far cry from what i'm doing right now but it's actually exactly what i'm supposed to be doing absolutely and and what one more question on that is how how did you make that that transition of you know now you're on your you're like you're you're on your goals you're you're working on exactly like you said what is you and what is your ministry but how how did you make how do you make that transition i think that's quite a daunting thing for a lot of people um particularly people maybe in the corporate world already you know that do have that drive to do something other than what they're doing now but don't have quite necessarily the faith in themselves to do it yet. So what what was that experience like for you when you made that transition um, out of the order and just and, and, and went on, on what your goal was? What what was that transition like and what advice would you give to people when they're trying to do that? Uh, yes, well, first of all, what I did is uh, it goes back to being in relationship with yourself because I was a Franciscan and then I met my lovely wife, Nancy. And a relationship evolved before I left the order and being carte blanche with you there. And it was a celebrate relationship, but it was a relationship that was evolving. And it's like, and at that time though, I realized 
in the order that I was, uh, that this rift was happening, uh, that I was going to have to make a choice. So there was this growing separation between myself and Yorga. I saw it. it was inevitable. Now I had two choices to compromise and stay in the order and just do what they tell me to do or walk away from it all. And then that was, that was a daunting choice you're talking about because mm -hmm. that was, okay, you're on your own. And when I left the order, I had a lot of, I had uh, close to $100,000 in Olympic debt. My order didn't even know I had. <laughs> and so, you know, and if they would have found out about that, they would have probably thrown me out because, or they would have just, I don't think they would have thrown me out. What they would have done is basically stopped everything dead in the water. I would have not gone to 92 and 96. That would have wow. happened. And, and uh, so that was that piece. But I was in that void. And then Nancy comes into my life. And so this is the, where the mindset came in. I had to look at myself and really get introspective and say, okay, am I running away from something or am I running to something? That was a crucial wow. question. And that means being in relationship with yourself. And, see, and that's what goes to being in, rela in marital relationships. They have that old saying that, you know, there's the, uh, the form, uh, storm, norm, and perform. So the forming is the, like the romantic part of it. The storming is when you really get to know each other and all your stuff comes out. And that's, that's human nature. And if you can get through that, and that's when you have to take a good hard look at yourself and not your partner. And then, then comes the norming. When okay, you can you, you kind of find your common ground, and then you can start performing. Life is like that. We gotta we go through that with ourselves. And I think when we get in that storm, we gotta look in the mirror, nowhere else. You can sit and blame everybody else, and there's probably blame to go around, but it all starts with yourself. Wow. If there is a problem, you're the one that's gonna solve it. If there isn't, you know. And so. That 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 was what's kind of driving me, and it was driving me in everything I was doing in my relationship with myself. It's not about the Olympics; it's about compromising my my existence. It's about compromising who I am. You know, whether it's the Olympics or not, I was just it was I was still made it in the order, and the order was wonderful. Don't get me wrong; there was wonderful fires there. There were very passionate. There were missionaries, uh, and you know, so I have a tremendous respect and love for the Franciscans. And for Francis for, and it's kind of funny, uh, in a way, because when did I create eco cuisine? Saint Francis was the patron saint of the environment. And what name did I choose? And I did not choose it with that in mind, which is really interesting. And when I went back and looked at it, I said, "Wow, what a what a mm. choice for for a company name." Wow, that was really. Uh... <laughs> Go ahead, Rio. <laughs> I mean, I'm speechless. There's there's an incredible amount of value in that. I mean, just a huge amount of value. And we need to wrap things up now for for the podcast's sake. But I mean, there's just been an absolute incredible value in this episode. And, and I thank you so much, Ron, for coming on and, and sharing that sharing that with everybody. Is is there a final message that you'd kind of like to? Um, I'd get I'll get you to 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 speak on um, kind of where people can go and find eco cuisine and everything in, in a minute. But is there a final question that you want to just leave people with? Uh, sorry, if not a final question, a final statement that you want to leave people with. Yeah. Um, be willing to pay the price to live your dream. Wow. Be willing to That's pay huge. the price to live your dream because there is a price attached to it. The reward is always in proportion to the trial. 
And and and, and some of my most difficult moments. <clears throat> excuse me. When I was really having the roughest time, I would look and I would say, you know, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else because I love what I'm doing. And I'll get through this and I'll move on to that. But when I'm in that experience, I'm, I'm learning from it. I'm connecting more with myself and connecting more with my passion. It all comes out in that, but you gotta be willing to pay that price. And there's a price to it. There's a price to entrepreneurship. You know, it, it's, it's uh, living your dream, you know, it, but that price is well overshadowed by the joy you get from it. Yes, I need to say. You know, that couldn't have been said any better. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur for over 30 years, uh, shadowing here with Rio, trying to pay it forward, and uh, very, very well put, Ron. Very well put. Absolutely. I mean, I'm taking a huge amount from this episode for sure. I'm, 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 uh, yeah, I'm amazed. And and so, Ron, just let's finish off with where can people find uh, Eco Cuisine? You know, on 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 the internet, and where where can you direct them to you? Sure. If you just type in Eco Hyphen Cuisine, E T O Hyphen Cuisine, C U I S I N E dot com, or just type in Eco Cuisine Vegetarian, because there's different Eco Cuisines out there for. Uh, foreign countries in Europe and England. So type uh, eco, E-T-O hyphen cuisine, and then type vegetarian. And then you'll see eco cuisine come up at the top in Boulder, Colorado, and just type on it and then link on that and they'll take you right to the website. And I, and I also have uh, American Natural Foods website too, uh, which is uh, the nonprofit. Just type in American Natural Foods uh, vegetarian. So yeah, definitely, and we'll we'll put all those descriptions also in. Uh, we'll put all those links in the descriptions of the podcast, so people can go straight from this podcast and and hear the passion that you speak with about what you do, and go straight to your um, straight to your website. But um, again, Ron, thanks so much for coming on. We really really appreciate it, um, and uh, we'll end it there. We'll we'll end as we always do, Joe. Cheers, Cheers for, for now. now. For now. <laughs> <laughs> As always, head over to the Instagram and Facebook at Gen Z Journey, where you can get an inside scoop of what's going on behind the scenes, as well as seeing the exciting guests that are coming on for that week. But above all else, thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate all your participation, and we're excited you're on this journey with us. See you next time.